or having a supernatural Christmas. Um, I was uh, out this afternoon shopping, and it was great to be able to say Merry Christmas to everybody you meet. So far, that's still an acceptable greeting, unless you're in Quebec, um, where it's not. You can say Merry Christmas to both those who know, you know, and those that you don't know. I was standing in line in the Walmart in the south end, because <clears throat> the one in the north end got burnt. And uh, the, long, the lines were really long, so I got talking with the young man behind me who had two children with him. And uh, you can still say to somebody who's a total stranger, Merry Christmas. Um, and this is the busiest shopping season of the year, so you get to stand in a lot of lines, so you can get to have a lot of conversations about Jesus. If anybody took, takes the time to think about Christmas... Um, I think we would discover that the Christ is no longer in the Christmas. Um, it has become just another secular holiday. It has little to no religious significance anymore. And even for the true believers, you can simply get swept up in the activities and the events of the season, and you soon miss the basic meaning of the Christmas season altogether. So Christmas, when I'm thinking about it, has become a time for family and fun and food. And Christmas has become the season when people travel home or travel away for holidays. Christmas is the time when people spend money they don't have on gifts for people who already have too much and really don't need anything and don't appreciate the gift anyways. So that may sound negative. That may even sound pessimistic. However, that's my observation, that we're spending a lot of money on stuff that nobody's appreciating and nobody is thinking about Jesus in the midst of all of this. We're just busy eating and having fun in Christmas season and going to all the events and buying the gifts and wrapping the gifts. And so Christmas seems to me um, to have lost its original meaning and has actually been redefined by the culture that we live in. We've allowed the culture to redefine it. And the original message has been almost totally lost. Um, we have token attention to the true message because we talk about a baby born in the manger, but nobody really knows what the baby's all about anymore, except that it's cute and it was in a manger. Um, Christmas is really no longer a Christian festival. It's become a secular holiday. Anybody agree? Yeah. I think we've lost it. <clears throat> Last Sunday, I went to a traditional church service, which means they were in the first week, second week of Advent, and they read three scriptures that were amazing, that were telling about the coming Savior, Old Testament, New Testament, and Psalms. But it would seem to me that when I looked around others, um, these were just passages that are read every year on the second Sunday in Advent. And those who were attending were not particularly excited about the scriptures. They didn't look the scriptures up. Um, in fact, they looked very bored and very disconnected. Uh, we're still, we had three visitors who dropped in um, at the beginning of the service. Uh, they should have felt very much at home. They were black and uh, half the congregation is from Jamaica or from Africa, so they kind of fit right in, and they were gone by the end of the third lesson. Um, they just walked away, walked out. They were sitting in front of me, and I don't blame them. 
So I tested my observation on the men who were at that service and who also attend a Bible study on Wednesday that I was asked to lead. No one remembered what was read. No one understood what the meaning of what was read was and why they were read on that particular Sunday. It was just another tradition. You come to church, you hear three lessons, and there was nothing imparted to the person's heart or to their soul as a result of hearing God's word. So when I'm sitting back thinking about that on the airplane coming back here, because the Bible study ended at noon and I got on an airplane right away, um, at worst, those readings were a waste of time. In a middle ground, it's a religious tradition. And at best, there was a nice warm feeling because people are familiar with those verses because they've heard them every year for the last 75 years attending the second Sunday in Advent. Sounds negative, doesn't it? It was. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. So, the last three weeks, I have been reading Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. And if you're not familiar with Luke 1 and 2, that's the Christmas story, the best part of the Christmas story. You're missing little pieces that you'll find in Matthew chapter 2 and 3, but Luke basically gives you the whole of the Christmas story, minus a couple of little minor parts. Luke, as you know, was a medical doctor, so he's very specific in what he's going to record. And I've been slowly reading and rereading those two chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2 in Luke. And here's what you'll hear when you read them. And you, read, you have to read them slowly. It's like singing those songs. If you really are born again, those songs have a lot of meaning. I sang those songs for many years before I was born again, and they were boring. When you read chapters 1 and 2, you get the birth of John the Baptist prophesied, the birth of Jesus prophesied, Mary, the future mother of Jesus, visits Elizabeth, the future mother of John. John the Baptist is born. John's father, Zechariah, gives a prophetic word about John, his son. Jesus is born. Angels show up and announce the birth of the son. Shepherds go to see the child. Jesus, on day eight after his birth, is presented or dedicated in the temple. In the temple, there's a guy called Simeon, who is a prophet who spoke over Jesus, and then there was also Anna the prophetess. So at first reading, even the second time through, I noted the events, and I revisited the Christmas story, trying to get new meaning, get some depth to it, because it's so familiar, and it's lost out there in the world. So I refreshed my memory. You can all benefit from doing that, you know. Go back with a fresh set of eyes and reread. Then I took the time to think about what I was reading. Um, I think in the old days we would call that meditating on the scriptures and realized how supernatural the first Christmas really was and how not supernatural Christmas is today. So let me give you, I mean, it was seriously supernatural. Okay, Zechariah has an angel visit him and God gives through the angel a word for him. Uh, Zechariah at that point in time was the priest in the temple. <clears throat> that may not mean much to you, but God hasn't been in this temple in 400 years. There has been no word from God for 400 years. And all of a sudden, the priest who's in there burning incense, because it was his turn and his job, actually hears from God. Zechariah has a vision in the temple as he takes his turn serving. Zechariah was struck dumb, could not speak, not dumb as in stupid, um, as a sign that the, the word was from God and that his doubts were not from God. 
and Zechariah speaks again nine months later when his son is being named. That's all supernatural. Elizabeth becomes pregnant in her old age. Long past childbearing age, Elizabeth feels John, yet unborn, leap in her womb when Mary visits while pregnant with Jesus. So John and Jesus are actually meeting before they were born. And the Bible says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when that happened. Joseph, <clears throat> soon to be father to Jesus or stepfather to Jesus, is visited by an angel in a dream explaining what is happening to his fiancée. Mary has a visitation from Gabriel, the archangel nonetheless. I mean, the guy that stands before, beside God and sends all the messages out for God. Mary becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit while still a virgin. Mary receives the task willingly. She actually says, be it done to me according to your word. Jesus is born, perfect God and perfect man. He's the promised Messiah that people have been waiting for for 5,000 years, and nobody recognizes him. The shepherds have a visit from an angel announcing what was happening and why. Shepherds see a choir of angels singing to them. The shepherds see the glory of the Lord shining above them. And the shepherds visit the baby Jesus, who's the future Savior and Lord of the world. John is conceived supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. John is filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. John is born empowered and baptized in the Holy Spirit. John is the first prophet of God in 400 years. John has been given a fresh word to be given to God's people. Simeon comes into the temple under the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. And Simeon prophesies over the baby Jesus. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Prophesying over God. That doesn't happen too often. Anna comes into the temple in the Spirit and speaks an encouraging word to Elizabeth and Joseph. Can I keep going? There's a new release of a great joy and gladness. That's what the Bible says, that the great joy and gladness was released as the Messiah is born. There's a new message that comes with the birth of Christ child, and the message is that God is your Father and that He loves you. God is establishing a way to experience true peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Grace and truth are released, setting the captives free. God's kingdom is established upon the earth. People are called to repentance, and there's a new move of the Spirit, powerful ministry of the Spirit. Makes what we do kind of boring. But the first Christmas is very supernatural, spiritually, seriously spiritual and supernatural. So let me summarize all that. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Prophetic words are being released. People are having visions. Directional dreams are received. Angels and archangels appear. There's praise where Mary gives the Magnificat, as we call it now. Um, there is uh, worship. The angels and the shepherds both worship God. God is glorified by the shepherds. There's the ministry of a prophet and a prophetess. Miracle signs and wonders, you know, pregnant without sex. God born as a man, an old man not speaking for nine months, an old woman giving birth. New star appearing in the sky. That's Matthew chapter 2. So in the biblical account of Christmas, it's all about Jesus and it's all supernatural. And at our Christmas celebrations today, I leave that up to you to decide. 
are we natural or supernatural? Are we doing it all in the flesh? Or is there some spirit, Holy Spirit, in this? Is it secular or is it sacred? Although I don't think you can separate the two. Is it all about us or is it really about Jesus? So as I was reading all of this and thinking about all of this, I was seriously impressed or awestruck by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That I, you don't think of it. You think Jesus, baby, manger, shepherds, angels, wise men, who didn't come for two years, by the way. They're not really part of the Christmas story. The Holy Spirit was the one that was directing everything that needed to happen to fulfill the scriptures. And he gets lost, like he does today at Christmas. Okay, so if you want to follow along, Luke chapter 1 in your Bible. Luke chapter 1. Verse 15, the angel is talking to John's dad, and he, John, must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. The Holy Spirit is very important from the very beginning of John's life. Go down to verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, talking to Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, because the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Or if you read it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, she will be found with a child from the Holy Spirit. So it's very directly expressed that the Holy Spirit is the father of the child. Luke 1, 41, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Verse 67, and his, John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Luke 2, verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the birth of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. So the Holy Spirit had a phenomenal ministry in the birth of the Christ child uh, in the Christmas story. And that ministry of the Holy Spirit didn't end when Jesus was born. It still continues today. So I want you to go to Mark chapter 1. You can find it fast. Matthew, Mark. Come on. Mark chapter 1. And John is speaking. And he's talking to the crowd. Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 1. And in verse 8... He says to the crowd, I have baptized you with water. He's baptizing people for repentance. I have baptized you with water. But he, talking about the Messiah, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So right even from the beginning of John's ministry, the Holy Spirit is being mentioned. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Holy Spirit is being mentioned. Jesus himself relied on the Holy Spirit as he was baptized in the Spirit. Mark chapter 1 again. Verses 9 and 10. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit comes upon him, which means he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. John fourteen seventeen says, The Holy Spirit is with those who are not born again, bringing them to the foot of the cross, convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John fourteen seventeen also says that when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And then Jesus speaks to his disciples in Luke 24, 49, and says, although you're not born again and the Holy Spirit's in you, you need to stay in Jerusalem until the promise of my Father comes upon you. And that upon, the Holy Spirit's in you, but he has to come on you. So let's look it up in Acts chapter 1. Again, Luke wrote Acts, so we're in the same author. Luke chapter 1. Verse 5. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1. I said Acts. The author is Luke, Acts 1 5. John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Remember what John had originally said in Mark 1 8. I baptize you with water. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So now Jesus is saying, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. Verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And so the Holy Spirit's ministry didn't start and stop with the birth of Christ or the pregnancy of Mary and the pregnancy of Elizabeth, but it continued on right from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Okay, so go back to Luke, because it was Luke I've been reading. So Luke chapter 4. So the Holy Spirit has baptized Jesus. He has the power now. And the proof of it is in his first sermon. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, on me. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year that the Lord forgives all debt. So how did Jesus preach? He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to quote a verse, don't look it up. Acts 10.38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and then he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So he didn't do any healing before he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he got the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with it. So the Holy Spirit has been very evident since the very beginning. So let's go to John chapter 14.
verse 12. I don't know if you um, think through the verses as you read them and question yourself, like, how come that's not happening in my life, or how would that happen, or what would it look like if it did happen? But in John 14, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, anytime that says truly, truly, it means listen up, I'm not lying. I think in the Passion Version it says I'm telling you the truth. Whoever believes in me, that's us, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will they, he do because I'm going to the Father. And the context is he will send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you. You will have power. And that power will allow you to be a witness. And that means you're going to do what Jesus did. And I don't know if you pause long enough in your devotional time or whatever we call that now, quiet time with the Lord, to think that through. But that's a horrendous promise that you cannot fulfill without the Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptized and the Holy Spirit can speak in tongues, then you have all, it need, all you need to do what Jesus did. How did Jesus do his ministry? It was simple. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why he can turn to us and say, and you will do what I did. Why? Because he promised that he'd give you the Holy Spirit. He promised the Holy Spirit would come upon you. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, this is old teaching, or old to me anyways, you get nine gifts. All nine are living in you, and you get to use them as needed or as you desire and release them. How did Jesus do his ministry? He flowed in the nine gifts. All right, you have a gifts of healings. He went about healing the sick. I can give you references for all of these. Uh, he, the gift is the working of miracles. He turned water into wine. That's a working of miracles. He raised the dead. That's a working of miracles. He had special faith. He believed everything the Father said to him. He had a word of wisdom. That's a word about the future because he spoke to Peter after, his res after Jesus' resurrection. He appeared to Peter in John 20 and said, um, when you were young, you, bound, you, went, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. When you get old, somebody else will dress you and take you where you don't want to go next verse and by this he declared how peter would die and glorify god word of wisdom woman at the well in john 4 was a word of knowledge he knew that she did not have a husband she was shacked up with the seventh guy or sixth guy and she had five husbands before that um, discerning of spirits the bible says he knew the thoughts and the intentions of people's hearts and that's what the discerning spirits can help you to do he spoke about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD. That's prophecy. The only two gifts we don't see Jesus using, and there's, I can't tell you he didn't do them. It's just there's no record of him doing it. was speaking in public tongues and interpreting tongues. How did Jesus do his ministry? Simple. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit and worked in the nine gifts of the Spirit. And then he turns to us and he says, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can do what I have done. And greater things than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. So the question would be, how do we turn Christmas and the Christian faith back to being supernatural? So I look things up. 
of course, the Holy Spirit today, according to Scripture, and again, all these verses will be up online, helps us to know what Jesus wants us to do. Well, that's good. Leads us into all truth. Bible also says the Holy Spirit speaks of future events, warning or informing us of what is to come before it comes. He comforts us, and the other word for comfort is challenges us. He teaches us about all things. He brings back to remembrance everything we've read or heard. He guides us. He directs us. He empowers us to minister through the gifts. So how do you get a supernatural Christmas? How do you get a supernatural lifestyle? It's get to know the Holy Spirit, because it's all by Him. The first Christmas was 100% Holy Spirit. You can't find a supernatural event the Holy Spirit wasn't in. And so it's the same today. If you want a supernatural Christmas, we have to invite the Holy Spirit into it. It isn't about baby Jesus. Okay, last verse to look up. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Last verse in 2 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We know the love of God the Father. He loved us so much he sent his Son. We know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're saved by grace. He came full of grace and truth. But we're missing the fellowship. We fellowship with each other, or at least that's what we call coffee and conversation. The word fellowship has three meanings in the original language. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit means to socially interact with him. Whoa. So when you get up in the morning and you pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus, you are not socially interacting with the Holy Spirit. I am sorry. Secondly, it means to partner with him. So he's doing things and we should join him. And the third meaning is to become involved in what he's doing. Not doing your thing, doing his thing. And the thing that he came to do was seek and save the lost, Luke 19.10. The thing he's asked us to do is to go into all the world and make disciples, which is a longer way of saying seek and save the lost. Because the things that I do, you shall do. And the way we do them is supernatural. Should be. And the message that you should have for the people is the same message that the angel had. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And we're the last people on the earth that look like we have great joy. We honestly are. So, but if we can get fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, then that great joy would be ours. And then we can spread it. We're at a season when people's hearts are open, doors are open to talk about Jesus. So I got on the airplane a week ago, a week and a half ago, and I was two seats on one side, three seats on the other, so I'm crowded in with a fairly large lady, and um, 
So I said good morning. It was 6 o'clock in the morning, 20 to 6 when we sat down on the plane. And we were there till 9.20. So that's what, three and a half hours of flying time and taxiing time. We spent the whole three and a half hours talking. Uh, I can tell you a lot about her. Um, but she's part of an organization here in Regina that has raised tens of thousands of dollars for the little people who don't get any grants from the government, like the house on Fifth Avenue that the First Nations people run, uh, something central. Anyways, so that was their that was their project last year, and so they're raising. These are all wealthy older people who are raising money off of business contacts that they have around the city, and so. Um, and so she asked me what I did, and so I told her where I was going and why. And But we talked about Jesus for about half that conversation. You can't talk about what I do overseas without talking about Jesus. And this lady is former United Church, currently nothing. But I have her website, I have her name, phone number. So people are open because <clears throat> it's Christmas. And we need to take advantage of that. But we can't if our whole focus is, you know, standing in line, paying for the gifts, buying what we have to buy, getting them wrapped, going to the next event, cooking the, book, the cookies or whatever our focus is. Our focus needs to go back into fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. He is key to the whole Christmas story and he's key to everything we're doing now or should be doing now. I just think we need to start stirring in the supernatural again. If we, if God disappeared, I don't think most of what we would do would change. Because most of what we're doing is still natural. So, so maybe this is all <clears throat> because I'm really tired of Christmas as it is. But I've been tired of Christmas as it is for about 40 years. So, um, I just want to see the Holy Spirit in all of this somewhere. So comments. <clears throat>